0: Talk 94.7 and 970 WMAY. I'm Kevin Hart, and this is Let's Talk Arts and Entertainment. We got a couple interviews coming up for you and the latest edition of Bottom of the Bargain Bin Movie Reviews. You know the man, you know the name. It's Gus Gordon. He's my first interview of the show. You have been around the Springfield area in central Illinois doing theater and various things for a long time. Tell me about your. History here in Illinois, how you, if you moved here, if you were. Sure. And um, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. Well, I came here in 1990. Um, that was. When were you born, Kevin?
0: 94. Okay. <laughs>
1: so I came here <laughs> before you were born. Yep. Um, to work at channel 20, I had been working in Cincinnati as a morning weather caster nice. and um, I answered an ad for uh, channel 20. They were looking for an evening weather caster to replace someone who had left and I applied for the job and got it and came to Springfield. And you know like a lot of broadcasters I intended on staying here for two years working a basic contract and then moving on to whatever the next step would be in my career. But as um, you know, fate would have it. I enjoyed Springfield. I liked the arts situation here in town, and I liked the people that I met. And all of a sudden, two years became thirty years. (laughs) I just recently celebrated my thirtieth anniversary in town. And um, you know, in some cases, it seems like a lifetime ago, and on other days, it seems like it was just yesterday that I first got here. But one of the first things I heard about was the Muni, Mm -hmm. and we had. I had heard about the Muni from some friends who had done theater in other cities, and the reputation had already gone well within, well outside of the city limits, so I was aware of the organization. And my first year in town, I auditioned, but I had no idea if I would be able to get off work to be able to do a show, mm. and they had no idea, the Muni directors had no idea how they would... Work around my very odd schedule since I worked night at the TV station, All right. so that first year I didn't get cast, but the second year, Lee Steiner took a chance on me and cast me in the Meanie's 1991 production of Into the Woods, Yes, and it, it worked out, and I was able to do a show and rehearse during my dinner break at the TV station and be back and forth, and my, my first uh, boss at Channel 20, Jack Connors, who was the general manager, realized hey, this is a pretty good promotional thing. It's good for the station to have Gus out in the public. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just started from there. I had I had performed for years in Cincinnati, and I had lived in Nebraska for a short time. Um, I'd done some shows in Northern Kentucky with uh, Northern Kentucky University. So I had a long resume of shows before I got here, but I was able to, you know, do a show a year for a while, and then I started... You know, kind of pushing the boundaries a little bit, and would do two shows a year. And now, good gosh, I'm doing 15 different <laughs> things a year now that I'm at the Hog Yeah. So that's so That's how I came to town. <laughs> okay, good. Nice.
0: It's great. And uh, so, talking also a bit about the the Hoagland. Um, how so? That building's gone through a, a few different uh, a few different places in uh, yeah. in the time it's been around. How did it become the Hogan Center for the Arts, and how did you become into the? doubt rather come into the position that uh, you are in with it now?
1: Right. Well, you know, I, like I said, I, I started doing a Muni show in 1991, mm-hmm. and then over the intervening years, I did shows with the Springfield Theater Center, Theater in the Park, uh, the Little Theater on the Square, and Sullivan Lincoln mm-hmm. Land Community College. I did some things with the Ballet Company and with the Jacksonville Symphony and the Illinois Symphony. So. I had, over a long period of time, become known for being involved in the arts community. Yeah. And, you know, First Night used to happen at the Masonic Temple. That's what the Hopeland is now, but yeah. when it was the Masonic Temple, First Night would occasionally be performed here. And I think my first time at the Masonic Temple was in the 90s, and when we were doing a First Night show. And the stage was very different. Uh, when it was the Masonic Temple, it was a nice space. Yeah, but it was very different than what it is now. Then, in about 2000, uh, Dennis Bringett, Tom Appleton, Grace Nanavati, and several other community leaders um, started to put together a group um, called Springfield Art Center Inc. that um, raised the money to purchase the Masonic Temple when the Masons decided to sell mm-hmm. because they had um, it, it just became such a burden to maintain since it was such a huge building. And um, so the, the Masons sold it, the arts uh, organization bought it, and then started raising money to turn it into the uh, Center for the Arts. And they were successful in their fundraising. They got the building open on December 31st of 2003. Um, it became the Hoagland Center for the Arts the following year, 2004 when Charles and Kay Hoagland donated a, mo- a million dollars for the naming rights. Uh, uh. And um, that was a huge a huge um, amount of money and uh, they, the Hoagland family has been so supportive over the years keeping us, keeping us going and uh, that's how it became the Hoagland Center for the Arts. And really the, the main idea was, Uh, Kay Fuhr, who used to be with the Arts Council years ago, had this idea for having an arts center in Springfield, and the Masonic Temple, once it became available, became kind of like the perfect spot, because it was such a big building, and it could hold so many different arts groups. And that was the original idea, to get all these different arts groups together in one building, so they could work together, they could have more power as a, as a whole than just as individual organizations. They could have more advertising, more visibility in the community. And um, it really was a, a, a great idea of the original founders. Uh, and Cape Fear was part of that. Karen Hussera had been there at that time. So a lot of people made this building happen. And they were, they were forward-thinking people who realized it would be great for the downtown it'd be great for the city not just culturally but economically as well because it's you know we we bring thousands of people to downtown springfield each week or we did pre-pandemic that is um so they realized the value in having all these groups down here it was great for you know i hate to use a buzzword like this but synergy Mm -hmm. it really is appropriate because it's all these different groups coming together, and the energy that came off of that was just overwhelming. Um, I like to describe the Oakland as a beehive of activity, Mm -hmm. and most days, pre-pandemic again, that's how it was, with people coming and going, and you'd have kids there, and you'd have young adults, you'd have middle-aged people, you'd have senior citizens, all participating in the different art forms. It wasn't just theater, it wasn't just music or dance, it was all of those things. And um, it it struck me years ago, a friend of mine, Sue Hamilton, who's a voice teacher in town and a vocal director, came up to me after we were doing Ragtime. We did a concert version of Ragtime in 2011. And Sue was just kind of shaking her head and said, you know, this place really is the heart of the arts. Mm -hmm. And that just stuck with me because I I agreed with it so much because it's not just one thing. It covers so many different art forms. And um, I I think that has been the key to our success, that we uh, just kind of welcome everybody in the community, all age groups, all styles of entertainment, poetry, film, television, um, orchestral, vocal, dance, folk dance, the written word. It it just, we, we really cover it all here in some form or another. And I think that's what's made the building such an asset to the city. So you're right, we have gone through several stages in our existence. And um, we had gotten to a really good place. We were doing well. Financially, things were going okay. Um, you know, Kevin, it's an 80,000 square foot building, which mm-hmm. is huge. Yeah. And there's always going to be struggles to pay for the heating and cooling. And the building is 100 years old. So there's always going to be or at least a portion of it is 100 years old. Yeah. So there's always going to be you know, physical things that have to be repaired and taken care of. So financially, you know, it's always going to be um, challenging. But um, we had been doing well before the pandemic took place, and then everything kind of ground to a halt. It was, um, you know, you were involved in the production of Into the Woods. Yeah, we were. We were,
0: we were working on that, and it just—it we was ready to go. We were, we yeah, we were. Weeks left. Yeah, we were almost at the, you know, orchestra rehearsal tech week, and it was, you know, and it just. That Friday, um, you know, we right. said that we can't. You know, it's it was really, it was it was really it was really unfortunate. I do want to. Um, you, you were starting to talk a little bit about it. I mean, how has the, these past couple of months? Um, it's it's been it has been tough for a lot of different theater communities. Going forward, what is going to be, or do you know have a sort of in your mind or? Do you know what's going to be happening show-wise, programming-wise, that sort of thing?
1: Right. Well, here's the deal. No one really knows 100% sure what's going to happen. We could find ourselves, you know, we might discover that with all the outdoor activity, with things opening up, that we might be taking a step backwards Mm. health-wise. Or we might find out that, hey, things are going great. People are getting together in in groups again outside and not getting sick, and so that that might speed up. We're really, you know, following the the governor and the state's five phase plan. And unfortunately, for a venue like the Hoagland, we are in stage five, mm-hmm. which means that a vaccine has been found or a widely available and effective cure has been found. So I don't know when that might happen, but until that time, we're in at least at the the day we're recording this uh, we're in phase 3 mm-hmm. and um that means 10 people or less in a group yeah um when we get to phase 4 we'll be able to have 50 people or less and we'll have to have s- still you know enact social distancing my thought is that we'll be in phase 4 for quite some time so programming will have to be different we can't have 400 people in the auditorium and a cast of 40 on stage. Yeah. We can have, you know, a two-person show maybe where they're not... you got to be careful because you can't put the actors in jeopardy. You can't have them do a love scene yeah. um, unless they've been in quarantine together for 14 days beforehand. Um, yeah. And you can't have them wearing masks.
0: And then you, of course, um, have like an orchestra if it's a concert or you have stage crew. And yeah, it's it's right. it's a tough... yeah.
1: You, well, you you well know from your involvement that fifty people limit could easily be made up of the cast, the orchestra, the backstage crew.
0: Yeah, that was one of the. So the, you have no one in the audience. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the things we were thinking with. Under the woods, we're like, this is gonna like quickly fill up the, you know, the uh, top requirement of people that can be in one enclosed place at time. Yeah,
1: it's it's exactly. Yeah. And you know, an, another problem with shows that we just don't have the answer to yet. And this was this was one of the things that on that, that very sad Friday night, and it, it was Friday the 13th. It I was. It vividly, oh, my
0: goodness, yeah. Uh,
1: how appropriate was that? <laughs> but when I had to talk to the cast and say, we we just can't go forward at this point, because what happens if one of the lead characters gets sick? Yeah. And even if it's not serious, but they have to quarantine, what do you do? Does the whole cast have to go into quarantine? Does the building have to shut down? Yeah, it's just, there are so many questions, and we don't have all the answers to that
2: Yeah. Yet.
1: So we're hopeful that it, when we get to the stage of 50, we might do some very small-scale shows. Oh, yeah. Shows that we might have produced in the club room, which is one of our smallest spaces mm-hmm. in the past. We might produce them in the LRS, which is our big theater. We might have to spread the audience out. We might have one or two people on stage. You know, we, we, we're getting so much information thrown at us. We're hearing from choral societies saying choral singing won't be safe until there's a vaccine. Yeah. Because of the close proximity and how much, um, you know, force that people are singing. So everything yeah. that's in their lungs is being expelled out beyond six feet. Yeah. Same thing with brass instruments. Mm-hmm. You're blowing oh through God. those horns. Goodness. And yeah, could, so those are things we're all trying to keep in mind um we're all you know trying to find ways to stay creative and to stay optimistic uh the hoagland has been doing a series we partnered with memorial health system we're doing a series called seize the day Mm -hmm. yes yes. which our president lee steiner kind of has put together along with diana kanabi from memorial health system we um give tips on mental health on how to stay positive in this uncertain time, how to deal with anxiety and isolation and depression. But then we we tie it into a theme, and we have a musical number or an artistic number that um, relates to that. And so our first one, I think appropriately, we had four of the cast members from Into the Woods, um, Chloe Jankosik, Joel Ochoa, Les Bridges, and Hannah Levin. They sang No One is Alone. They all sang it from their houses mm-hmm. in isolation, yeah. but they sang that number from into the woods which just tells us we're not alone in this. We yes. have people to support us, we have friends, and they're so important, and it was a perfect message to start off this whole process.
0: Yes. Gus, how can people listening, uh how can they find not only these uh these segments of Seize the Day, but how can they get sure. in contact with uh, the Hoekland Center for the Arts, either on Facebook or website or or getting in contact with you?
1: Right, well, um, our information is on our website. We're hcfta.org. They can um, find our contact information there. We have links to the web series, uh, Seize the Day. We have a link to our, our donation page, um, I'll be honest with you, Kevin, that's the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. We are no longer in production mode. We have to be in fundraising mode to yep. keep the building afloat. It's, um, it's scary because, yep. you know, we still have CWLP bills. We still have, you know, we, we've had to reduce the staff significantly. Mm-hmm. We're using a skeletal staff right now, and that was one of the, the hardest, worst things that I had to go through with this whole experience is to tell people I really like We just don't have any shows going on, so we can't. There's, there's, we don't have a need for box office staff or weekend, you know, um, people to watch the door, things like that. Yeah, that stunk. It was not fun at all. And um, so, you know, we're we're trying to raise money to make sure that once this crisis is over, and it will be, these things happen in society and they pass eventually. But we just need to make sure that we're still here and operating and fully functioning, or at least able to get back to fully functioning once the crisis is over. Because I think we've all learned during the time we were sheltering at home, um, the arts are really important. Yes, that's that's what gave people hope. You know, watching John uh, um, Krasinski in mm-hmm. his uh, Good News uh, segments and. Watching, at least for the theater community, watching all these Broadway cast and touring cast put together these uh, montages of songs. Um, the one I loved the best was um, Can't Stop the Beat from Hairspray, and yeah. all the Hairspray cast members participated in that. You know, those are moments that give uplift and hope, and that's why the arts are so important, and I think we've gotten a good lesson in that they... They are important and worth, worth supporting. So they can go to our website. They can go to Facebook. We're on YouTube. Uh, pretty easy. Just type in Hoagland Center for the Arts and they'll take you right there. We're on Instagram and Twitter as well, but I'm an old guy and I don't do that as much <laughs> as I do Facebook or YouTube. Um, yeah. But we're there. We do have a presence and we're just trying to, you know, keep positivity in the air, um, looking towards the future and how we're going to open again and make it safe for everyone, the performers, the visitors, the, the audience members, the staff, and so forth. So we're, we're trying to figure all those things out and uh, trying, to, trying to stay positive and be a good force for the future.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Gus, for talking with me. We're going to do this again soon.
1: All right, Kevin. Thanks very much.
0: Thank you. I am here with President of the Muni Board, Greg Donathan. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Thank you. We've uh, done a couple shows together, I believe. Absolutely. Uh, yes. For sure. For
3: mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And,
0: <laughs> and, yes. Uh, and, and, with, uh, and with my sister as well, um, a while That's back. That's
3: right. So, yeah, a long time ago.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, t- <laughs> t- tell me a bit. Um, your history with... Uh, with theater in general, but also here uh, around in Springfield.
3: Sure. Um, well, actually, this would have marked the 20th year of being involved with the Muni for me. Nice. Um, I moved here in 1999 and became involved with Muni in 2000 and theater in town. I've done lots of other shows, other places too, and directed and been in lots of shows. Been doing theater since I was in high school and then. My wife is from Springfield, so when we relocated here, we met doing some dinner theater a few years ago. And when we um, eventually relocated to Springfield in uh, the summer of 99, um, she had taken me to Muni a couple of years before that, and I was like, wow, this is an incredible venue. Do you people even realize what you have here in mm-hmm. Springfield? gorgeous tons of people come to watch it they have you know the budgets to really do nice shows and it was just a, a wonderful atmosphere and I fell in love with it and so became involved and um, you know I have four kids who have pretty much been raised at the Muni and mm-hmm. um, and, and doing theater in town otherwise um, a couple of those kids don't do theater anymore but um, definitely has been a huge part of our lives and um, you know we love the, the, arts communica- the arts community here in Springfield.
0: Oh yes absolutely I, I think I believe it was White Christmas. I think your whole family was involved in that production in some way. They were, sense.
3: yeah. A couple backstage. My littlest was maybe, um, you know, an elf out front handing out mm-hmm. candy
2: canes. Oh, yeah. And my
3: wife and my, uh, oldest daughters, so 19, um, uh, we were all three in it, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a unique at- atmosphere to be able to do that. And, um, just, you know, just a great community of people here in town that, uh, really appreciate the arts and, um, you know, make it available to families to become involved in.
0: Yes, and family, I, I know, was the big theme for this uh, this season, which is now going to be uh, next season. Uh, d- right. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, about the Muni season that will be coming up and um, sort of what came to, I mean, you know, the situation sure. in the world, what's happened, but, you know, what kind of came to the yeah. decision of pushing it off to next year?
3: Right. Absolutely. So, you know, this all hit in the midst of our auditions, actually, between week one and week two of auditions Mm -hmm. for adults. So um, we were able to get in all of our adult auditions um, at the the third week of March, there, second week of March, I guess, there um, and then had to postpone children's auditions. And then obviously we're not able to conduct those due to all the restrictions that we currently have due to COVID-19. So,
2: um,
3: you know, we sort of uh, monitored it as we progressed and went along Uh, unlike of uh, so many theater organizations that were in high school and colleges that yeah. were mid-show when this hit and didn't get to do their production. We um, we were fortunate in that we had only cast our shows, our adult roles, um, and had not begun rehearsing, had not, obviously, were not doing shows yet. So I feel fortunate that we were able to... Um, Sort of, you know, assess it as we went along and make the decisions that we had to do to keep everybody safe and to keep our organization thriving. And um, so, unfortunately, we did have to postpone the season until 2021. Um, you know, it it it's a, it's a stinky decision to have to make, and the whole yeah. and the entire board, you know, uh, really painful for all of us uh, because you know the last time there wasn't a uni season was 1963 and that was because of a fire that that hit the site so that's a long run of uni and it is definitely a staple of of the greater Springfield area and you spend your evening out at the uni and enjoy some entertainment under the stars and spread a blanket and so it's such a part of our culture here in Springfield that it's really hard to think about not having it but we knew it was the thing that we needed to do so you know we voted that yes we would postpone the season we would retain the same four shows that we would retain the staff and all of the staff were on board um, and that we would retain the casts. and so that made it feel better it made it feel like okay you know these folks who who are so disappointed now have something to look forward to in 2021, if their schedules will afford it to them. And then we get the excitement of casting Matilda, which has a huge children and some children in Ragtime as well. Oh yeah, but, you know, Matilda has... Um, uh, very large the, the show is based around children so it'll be exciting from that standpoint to have auditions to find our Matilda and to find all those supporting kids um, in order to cast that show as well so although disappointing I feel like we are, are, are looking forward to 2021 with lots of excitement and anticipation for a great season Yes. so good. the season I don't think I mentioned all the shows I mentioned a couple of okay, sure. yeah, go uh, ahead <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we will open at the very end of May. We have yet to determine those dates, but it'll be the end of May with The Adams Family, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Anna Meisenbacher. Then that is followed by Ragtime, uh, directed by Reggie Guyton, mm-hmm. and then Mama Mia, directed by Jacob Peters, And then we end the season with Matilda, directed by Lori Barnes. So it's a really, uh, three of those shows have never been on the nanny stage and it's been 15 years since Ragtime was on the music oh, yeah. page. so we were super excited about that season. It's a really modern season. I had lots of, I think, excitement going into it. So we're excited that we can retain it and
0: move on to 2021. Yeah, there's, a, yeah, a, yes, very modern, an exciting season. There's, there's a bit, there's a bit for everybody there. Some of those shows. Absolutely. And um, uh, recently, on their what would have been their opening night, Adam's family did a really cool thing. They did a video. Um, if yeah, super cool video.
3: Yeah, they really um, kind of performed virtually in their own spaces, um, the opening number to Adams family, which is pretty incredible because they sounded wonderful. Oh, it wonderful. Yeah. It was incredibly rehearsed and I don't think they were able to rehearse very much. Um, and it's it's tricky doing those virtual singing sorts of things. So, um yeah, that was really fun and I think that uh you know, you'll see more of that to come through the year just to keep the excitement of the season going. And you know, people that are in the arts want that outlet and then you know i know people are going to want to be in large groups next summer with uh, you know the excitement of being able to be outside and around mm-hmm. uh, lots of people and so um I, i'm really excited that um i think we'll see a renaissance of the arts here uh, which often happens in situations like this um that people are really going to appreciate and support it even more than they already do
0: yes i think so too that's Definitely, I think that's something that's going to happen. When the Muni reconvenes next year um, and the months leading into it, what are there going to be some more or some new and probably for a long time precautions that are going to be taken for patrons, for actors, for people who are sure. volunteering on the shows?
1: Sure.
3: We, you know, I, I think that that will be. Um... of handed to us by those folks who really know and do that work. The CDC and and, uh, the health organizations are going to provide us guidance. Um, We don't know what next spring will look like, of course, and what next summer will look like, of course, so we will definitely be planning for that as we're provided information. It's a tough thing to plan for when you don't know what's coming down the pike, but you know like we've done this entire time we've kind of gone okay now we okay now we know we can't have more than ten people together mm-hmm. um you know there were some people asking questions from this summer saying well it's an outdoor venue you know why can't we plan to have some of this well because the actors have to get together and rehearse mm-hmm. and so then really quickly you've got 30 40 50 people in yeah. a room trying to to rehearse and prepare a show so it's not just being able to be out at the site which we couldn't do much of this summer anyway, but um, it really trying to gather people together. So we definitely will be taking the precautions that are necessary according to the the folks who uh, study and provide all that information to us. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and um, in addition to people rehearsing and there's the lawn seating, people are often sitting right next to each other. Just, you know, one of those one of those things and i've talked about this with, with a couple other people and it was one of uh, one of the things we talked about um early when this all started going on We were into the woods over at the Hogland. Mm. we were you right. know and you know in addition to the cast you have family members of the cast that will come at least every night of the show there will be somebody there then you have people in the orchestra pit you have people backstage working right. and it, it you know it's it's all yeah it's it's You know, there will be. Yeah, it takes
3: hundreds of people to volunteer alone. Mm -hmm. You know, to put on a Muni show every single night. So yeah, the the numbers were just not going to be in our favor. (laughs) So you know, it's unfortunate. My daughter is Mm -hmm. nineteen. Cece said that I haven't not done a show in the summer since I was like six years old. Yeah, it's true. Not all of them at the Muni, but the bulk of them. Oh yeah. And so it is. It's such a strange time for for all of us, and such a departure from what we know. But but it's going to return and i think again people will be hungry for it even more than than usual
0: oh yes they yes they absolutely will before uh before i let you go here i want to ask you um of course the muni is next coming up next year but uh currently for you what are you working on what is some of the next things that you're looking at doing here uh, with the Muni specifically? Um or in, in in general, theater wise, but yeah, sure.
3: In general? Um, well oh, yeah. I'm not working on anything.
0: Okay. <laughs> um so as the president too, um
3: you know, yeah. it would be pretty tough to be in mm-hmm. a, a Muni show or involved in much else. Um, right. you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it and you have an incredible board that uh, does a lot of work too. So um so you know, this will be my focus and then Craig Williams is the um, he'll be the incoming president. Mm-hmm. That would take over in October so um you know it's sort of a weird position to be in to not have a season however I you know I think I did the job that um hopefully that that we needed to have done this year and uh Craig is a very capable leader and very involved in uni and will be able to take the reins and um cut us in 2021 and I'll be of course helping him along too because he's been an incredible help to me this year um I'll be supporting him in any way I can as past president as well so um you know, that's that's sort of my future focus as far as theater goes at this point. Um, and, and we'll see.
0: All right. Awesome. Awesome stuff, Greg. So the how how can people find the Muni either on Facebook or their website or information about how they want to sure. get involved, that sort of thing.
3: Absolutely. We have a great website um, that Jeremy Geckner actually just redeveloped this year and it's it's beautiful. Mm, yeah. That's it the Muni.org and you can go directly to that. We do have a Facebook page, too, which is the Springfield Muni, I
2: believe.
3: I'm not positive of that, uh, but um, I think you can find it if you do the Springfield Muni Opera in Facebook. Um, So, yeah, there's great information on there, lots of videos, lots of photos. Uh, We welcome everybody to become involved. We, um, you know, enjoy... Allowing everyone to be involved at the Muni in whatever capacity that might be. So, uh, hope people um, remember that, and, and come the spring of 2021, um, are are eager to get started. And I just have so I just have to give a shout out to all of the community partners that we have, the sponsors. Oh, yes. um, and and all of the folks who you know support the community theater and specifically the Muni. They have been nothing but amazing. Um, and understanding in these difficult times. So, um, truly, Springfield has a gym in the middle of the state here in the Muni Opera, and it's wonderful that the community supports it so strong.
0: It's time for Bottom of the Bargain Bin with Kevin Hart. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Bottom of the Bargain Bin. Oh, <laughs> boy, do I have a winner today. <sighs> I don't know what you think you know about Attila the Hun, but forget it. Mulan, uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, it's a documentary compared to this. This movie cost one dollar, and it's maybe the best dollar you will ever spend.
2: The Huns, as they were called, were led by a man
3: named Attila. Ah!
0: This wonderful piece of cinema comes to us from The Asylum, a studio notorious for making some of the worst movies in existence. They are the modern-day, horrible B-movies such as Plan 9 from Space, even more recent ones like Troll 2 or The Room. Asylum just cranks these movies out. I, I And they're usually mockbusters, you know, sort of movies that ride off of the success and the imagery of a popular movie and going as far as they can to rip it off without actually ripping it off, seeing so you looking at something like Transmorphers, Android Cop. But this one, as far as I can tell, isn't really related to any other existing property. With that in mind, we're in for a pretty wild ride. So for a history lesson, and that's a history lesson according to this movie, Attila and his sons drink blood out of the staff of Moses to become superhuman. This staff is then split into three pieces and scattered throughout the world, only to be discovered 1,500 years later by the U.S. military, which brings us to the beginning of this story. Well, hold on, that's not how it happened. Actually, yes, that is how it happened. That is exactly how it happened. And if you want me to explain it, in the spirit of this movie, I literally will not even pretend to explain it. So, we see our three military scavengers, two of which end up getting killed, but not before discovering this slab with some sort of human melted onto it.
1: You know what it says? What? Get the f*** out of here.
0: No, I think it says, sleep is an illusion, death is a dream. On the way back, someone eating an apple accidentally spills blood on it. Oh, I'm sure, that's not a big deal. So, will this amazing discovery be studied by scientists or exploited for profit? Don't worry, big old military man will tell you before you can even draw your own conclusions. When are you going to learn that the military's job is profit and war? And science, that's somebody else's luxury. Our main man confronts him about this and tells him the same thing, but a little more on the nose. Oh, Gahan, he's in a rat hole somewhere! Don't worry, we'll find that little bastard. We have to bomb every terrorist all across the world. And what then? We blame him for the problems we create and we go home like heroes! I didn't sign up for that. I give the orders! And you obey! So, as you can imagine, upon obtaining the remaining piece of the Staff of Moses, the Nomad awakens and takes back the artifact, but not before killing half the military base. So, our main man, his name is Vito, by the way, has to lead a motley crew of military movie cliches on a reconnaissance mission for the peace of the staff. When he's called to do this, he is suffering from PTSD in his room. The movie doesn't really know how it wants to treat this, because it starts out pretty intense, and honestly, the actor playing Vito gives a really good performance. But this movie kind of treats it like a joke right afterwards, and the two people come to get him.
1: Captain! What the f- Apparently he doesn't like visitors.
0: Ugh. So anyways, once they team up, they all pick different gum, and this will factor in later, so take notes. Now, aside from Vito, we also have the daughter of Vito's friend and mentor, who ends up as the other lead, so the dirty almost dozen make their way to get the staff back and... Stand down. Get a man down. However, aside from our attractive two leads, this guy can actually hold his own against the Nomad. One side plot that actually just ends up going nowhere is this archaeologist's son, who you think he's this spoiled brat and he may have some ulterior motives. I'll take orders from you. My daddy will ruin you.
1: Oh yeah? Who's your daddy? Fleetwood. Yeah? Well, when you're with us, you're one of us, you take orders from me. Is that clear?
0: But, no. He gets wasted pretty spectacularly in a bit. (laughs) So here's a compilation of all how powerful this nomad is. After all that, they pin him to a tree with this car. I mean, seriously, this resurrected superhuman, he can't move out of the way or break the tree or flip the car. No, 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 no. They pit him to the tree and that's it. So the guy driving the vehicle, uh, he got impaled earlier by Attila, but isn't actually dead. So the driver... Being seriously wounded, decides to stay there, keep him pinned, and blow him up. But not before a truly wonderful pun. Hey, beautiful. Bang. That is unfortunately not the end of the movie. Hey, remember the uh, guy who actually could hold his own against Attila? Yeah, he was injured, so he stops to catch his breath.
1: I just want you to know that I'm proud to be on your team.
0: Got your back. but oh nice. no quickly just literally sucker punches this guy and kills him surprise surprise he survived the explosion so, so our two heroes run to the rendezvous point and for about two minutes the worst recreation of the Terminator ensues they just closed the door on him they're like sorry closed in five minutes in the underground hospital slash lab, the movie dials it up to 11. How powerful is the staff of Moses? Well, let me ask you, history buffs, what happened with the Manhattan Project? Uh, don't even answer, because apparently, that would be fake news. Here is the real explanation.
1: That doesn't look like much. Yeah, that's what we thought at first, too. Remember the A-bomb? Manhattan Project, 1945. Explosion heard around the world? Well, that was this. Misfire. Boy, we had to spend that one for years, every which way we could.
0: Yep, Super A-Hole McMeany General reveals his grand plan of not only using the staff of Moses to create super soldiers, but he also wants to use its power to cure his own cancer. Five years ago, I was diagnosed with inoperable cancer. I fought it,
2: but unless I have a little help, it's over for me. All my plans and all my dreams, done. It's one thing that can save me and buy me the time that I need. This mission had a means to an end. I don't want to die, Vito.
0: He injects his own blood that he put into the staff into a soldier, and in addition to coming back to the dead and fighting the nomad, this happens. Hmm. I wonder, where have I seen that before? Hmm. That's just coincidence. So as it turns out, the Nomad is actually one of Attila's sons. <gasps> More like Attila the Sun. After the archaeologist plans a bomb on the sun, bit of an insurance policy, the general drinks the blood from the staff and transforms into a man wearing a skull mask is, I think, supposed to be the real Attila. The father and son duke it out while our heroes escape. The base explodes behind them, and all is well. And you remember that uh, gum-picking part earlier? Now it comes full circle.
2: So what kind of gum did you choose?
0: I didn't. No. I'm more of a chocolate guy. Okay, so yes, this is an awful movie. But I love it! Sometimes with these asylum movies, they're... Overbloated with overcomplicated storylines and terrible CG. But discounting the end credits, this movie barely makes the 1 hour 20 minute mark. It's short, it's dumb, and it's to the point. This movie knows what it is and makes it entertaining. And the worst thing a movie can be is boring. And let me tell you, as poorly written, made, acted this movie is, it's beyond entertaining. If you have $1 to spare, I would highly recommend you watch this for a couple of laughs. It's News Talk WMAY. Let's talk arts and entertainment. Thank you so much for listening in today. I will see you next week right here at 11 a.m. You can always catch the most recent podcasts and clips on WMAY.com slash arts and entertainment.